The Talk of the Street is brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today. Oh, check it out. Hello, boys and girls. I am Mr. Sparkle, and this is my unicorn, Tiny. Tiny by name, but not by nature. Just look at that horn. Don't wink when you say that. Gives it a different meaning. Drop the wink. Yeah, thanks. Welcome to oh that was very loud. Hello and welcome to episode sixty-five of the Talk of the Street, an unofficial Coronation Street catch-up podcast. That wasn't crying this week. You were crying this week. I just got an onion in my eye. I'm Gavin, <laughs> and I have far too many notepads. <laughs> sure, okay. <laughs> I just we're surrounded mm. by them. <laughs> this used to be quite tidy, and then you filled it up with your shit. Oi. I have nothing in here that's mine <laughs> other than the recording stuff on and, my iPad. And your your Merkin flag with your Merkin bald eagle that Sally bought you. And your TV and your PlayStation. Yeah, that's not the, that's nothing to do with Merka. notepads, though. Yeah. Your notepads are your notepads. Right, and yeah. They're and they're everywhere and, in this room. And they're actually really messy this, this week because I was desperately trying to find the notepad that had information I needed for a project I was doing. And I couldn't find the information. <laughs> so it looks a little bit messier than it typically does in here. I need to tidy back up. There are more notepads than lamps in this house. There was an enormous painting in here as well the other week. I had to move that. No, that's a, that was cruel work, embroidery that wasn't painting. Well, the it, sunflowers. Whatever. It was enormous and it was here yeah. and it shouldn't have been here. Yeah, well it was here because I was measuring it to sell it and i was also doing other stuff in here yes it couldn't have been anywhere else i had to be in here right because i was also doing work on the mac i have a lot of notepads because i like to write thank you notes when people buy things from me i also like to have notepads handy if i think of a an idea for a short story or a poem or something to do with my novel or something it's nice to have something handy because you're always thinking oh i'll write that down later and then you never do. And if you actually handwrite it instead of sticking it in your phone, you remember it better. And then I belong to a number of committees and stuff, so I have different notepads for taking minute notes and stuff. Well, you only only remember it if you can find a notepad. That's <laughs> true. If you can't find a notepad, then you're as well just not taking the note, really. Out of luck. Yeah. Yeah. It is a shorter week this week again because we're off to Ohio for the woot, weekend. Woot. I'm looking forward to this. Me too. Enormously. Yes. Even no, though it's Ohio. No boats, <laughs> no horses, no antiques. Actually, well, there will be lamps. <laughs> and we will be visiting the graves of William Henry Harrison. William McKinley. And is it 
Harding? I couldn't Warren remember G. the third Harding. one. I yeah. couldn't remember the third one. Yeah. All the W's. <laughs> How exciting. Yes, and then and then we'll be going to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And in addition to seeing the exhibits, we're going to a Zombies concert. The Zombies, a, a band. Oh, that, I'm not sure I understood this then. A band that was a band before we were born. This is a 60s band. Yes. I'm probably not going to like this. Oh, it'll be fun. <laughs> they're in, they're being inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame this year. So. Oh, God, it couldn't have been Guns N' Roses. I'm sorry. That's, oh, that's not who is scheduled yeah, if this it was weekend. Your fucking birthday would have got Guns N' Roses. <laughs> no, we wouldn't have. No. I invite you all to tell us how many dead presidents' graves you visited. <laughs> or prime ministers. Or dead prime ministers. Or kings and queens. Westminster Abbey has eight. Really? Dead prime ministers, I think. Yeah. How many How many dead kings and queens? I don't look that up. Oh. Because that's not something that we're doing. Oh, okay. Which king was it that they found underneath a car park? Oh, it was Richard. Richard the... Third? Yes. I think. I think so. I think it's Richard the Third who was under a car park. That's hilarious. Right. That was one of the first uh, uh, Photoshop memes I created. <laughs> because they had the um, they had this whole a funeral ceremony thing that was going on. Right. And so I took a screen grab of it and had the Westboro Baptist Church protesting. <laughs> <laughs> and the only person who liked that tweet was a member of the Westboro Baptist Church. Seriously? <laughs> yes. Didn't I like that tweet? No, I don't think so. Hmm. No, just, just you know that horribly meme, racist You know what person. meme you made like in the very beginning when you were you first started making memes that I really liked? The one that you you made of um, Benedict Cumberbatch. That's one of my favourites. Yeah. <laughs> with the with the box of X lax. Right. And you wrote no shit Sherlock. Right. <laughs> and has, he has this pained expression on his face. I might I might repost that because of this. Oh, that was good. I liked that one. <laughs> Shall we? A preamble, my dear. I think it's about time. Yes. Cory news. Oh, no mocking my, my voice. Ahem. <laughs> my ahems are not nearly that dainty. You're far more dainty than I am when you go ahem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Alan Halsell, who plays Tyrone, just celebrated his 37th birthday with a vacation in Greece, bringing along his daughter Sienna and girlfriend Tisha Mary, who used to play Steph Britton on the show. Oh. Lovely pictures on the Instagram of Greece. Alexandra Mardell, our Emma, Hooray! has been doing a fantastic job with her new storyline. She revealed a personal connection to her character's sorrows as her own father, Michael, died in 2016 due to heart disease. She also paid tribute to her father earlier this year while raising money during the Manchester Great Run. So, just as lovely as the character she plays inside and out. Right. Huzzah. Yeah. She's a great kid. We you like could, her. You could tell she was reaching to personal Absolutely. levels this week. Absolutely. She did such a fantastic job. Last bit of Corey news. Battle of the Soaps. Ooh. Corey and EastEnders will be going on head-to-head later this month during the bank holiday. In a rare scheduling clash, they'll be airing at the same time. 
Yeah, that, Who knows? So set your DVR, soap fans. And that's Corey News. <laughs> that's Corey News? Yes. Mm. <laughs> I was quite proud of myself that I got it done well in advance earlier today. Yes, because normally we're sitting down and I'm saying, have you done Corey News? And you go, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Our mailbag. Chloe from Nova Scotia, who's becoming somewhat of a, a regular correspondent. She loved Corey last week. Eileen could have single-handedly taken down that human trafficking ring, rescued Alina, and still had energy to pick up Gary by the foot and smash him into that storage unit. But if she doesn't find out that Jan was a good guy, that seems unreasonably cruel for the show to do. Yeah. Also, what's a puggy? Meanwhile, going, puny god, puny god, while smashing him back and forth. That's a Marvel joke. A puggy? Yes. Did we say puggy last week? I said puggy a few times, I think, last Did week. You? Yeah, puggy is a fruit machine or a one-armed bandit. Like uh, in a casino? Or a pub. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it's a... Uh, uh, oh, what do we call those? I used to work in a casino. I should know this. What's slot machine. Yeah, it's a slot machine, basically. Yeah. Slot machine. Then we got a very long email from Chris. Oh dear! <laughs> we I was I was just thinking the other day we haven't heard from Chris in a while. Well, we did this week. Uh oh. No, he's, he's fine. Okay, good. He says, although I'm generally the least critical viewer of the street, loving every episode equally, even I was able to notice that last week's shows were particularly good. Yes. As you correctly pointed out, Eileen twatting Rachel in the face was something of a highlight. Yes. I absolutely did not see that coming, that Jan turned out to be the good guy after all. But no, many people who are relieved that he is. And in spite of canyon-sized holes in the plot around Gary's metamorphosis into a wardrobe-selling criminal overlord... I'm loving how that's all unfolding. Having really? not been privy to Coronation Street wanting us to think that Gary is the next baddie, I'm able just to go along with it and enjoy the story. I'm not sure I can take him seriously as a fearsome thug, though, having last year seen him relentlessly battered around the ring, but not like that, by the sylph-like David Platt. Correct. And that's a good point. Yeah, but David David has more muscles than Gary, even though he's shorter. Yeah, but and Gary's ex-army... That doesn't mean anything. It should mean something. I though. know. I know some pretty soft guys who are ex-army. That means nothing. Hindsight corner. I said last week that I thought Baylor University was in College Station. Mm-hmm. It's not. <laughs> Where is it? It's in Waco. Ah, okay. Did we? We didn't go to Waco. Oh yeah, we we drove through Waco. That's where we stayed. That's right. Yeah, with all those signs for um, the those people on HGTV that you hate. Oh, (laughs) yeah. I'm not a fan of those people. They hate each other. By the way, (laughs) I guess that Robert was born in October, according to Corypedia. He was. He was born October 22nd, 1971. So so that would make him two years older than you. Correct. Yikes. So not his 50th this year then. No. 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 That would make him, what, 45? No, you're 45. Oh, dear, dear, dear. I I was counting up from my age, not your age. No, why don't you count (laughs) up from his age? Right. 
71. This is... 2019. Okay. So that makes him... The American educational system has just taken an absolute hammer in here. <laughs> I can't do math in my head. Shut up. Not everybody can. Not everybody had a genius math teacher for a dad. Yeah, but this is subtracting one from nine. Don't don't go to your calculator. Please don't. <laughs> he's, t- he's two years older than me. 48? You're 46? You're not 46. I'm 46 on Saturday, yeah. Oh, yeah, you are 46 on Saturday because you're three years older than me. I'm sorry. I mean, I'm not sorry because... You should be sorry. You didn't know what age I was and cancer. <laughs> you're 45 <sighs> and you'll be 46. Okay, so Let's, four years from okay. now, I need to Skating on. throw you the biggest 50th birthday bash ever. And we'll do like a... a a renewal of our vows or something in secret. Of a secret vow renewal on your 50th birthday. Mm. <laughs> That's fine. Oi! You should do it. Fucking oi me. I know what age you are. <laughs> you don't remember my birthday, though. Yes, I do. No, it's not my birthday you don't remember. It's our anniversary you don't remember. I remember that as well. Yeah, but you don't buy anything for it until like... Three no, days I, I forget it's coming up. Yeah, I forget yes. it's coming up. We should do what I did for my fortieth. That was good fun. You mean we can't because Hooters isn't there anymore. <laughs> That's right. We went to Hooters. We went to <laughs> for the your movies. 40th. Yeah, and then we went to karaoke. And we went, and to, went a to a baseball, baseball game. game. It was a great day. Fantastic. It was a great day. Anyway. And my brother was in town, so I'll have to go to Seattle for your fiftieth birthday. With regards hey, to Evelyn Hi, and Rick. Steve's bet. It was brought to my attention that if you place a bet on a footballer scoring the first goal in a game and that player doesn't start, you typically get your money back. Oh. So this isn't how gambling works. No. If Evelyn's in charge. No. What are you drinking? It is a gin and tonic with a splash of lemon. It is the first alcohol I've had all week. What to drink it? I have a non Diet Werner's, which I'm not happy about. Canada Dry Diet, it's not very good. And uh, Heineken Zero. Yeah, I prefer Werner's to Canada Dry any day of the week. Shall we live in, my dear? Yes, please. Because we're <laughs> at minute 16, would you believe? <laughs> yes, I would. Our first story tonight, and remember we're just doing Monday and Wednesday, is Gary and T Factory. Ugh. Ugh, I hate this. I'm going on record now. It turns out I think you were right, though, about Gary's motivation, but we'll get to that. Mm -hmm. Just on Monday, Gary sized up the factory job. He thinks it's going to cost just over 100000 Nick thinks this is ridiculous, but Derek is happy with the price and he'll offer just ten grand to buy the site. (gasps) Nick's got materials to buy and thinks that they need to redo the numbers, but nothing's adding up, but they end up shaking on it anyway. Yeah, yeah. They shake on it. They don't sign anything. Nothing's signed. No. Nothing's signed. Nothing's legal. It seems that Gary has subcontracted to Ed. Right enough. Ed can get right on it and Gary gives him carte blanche to order any materials that he needs. Ed is grateful that Gary isn't holding a grudge for when Ed told him to bolt when Gary was looking for work earlier in the year. And Seb's looking for work too and goes to speak with Ed but doesn't see that Ed's actually working for Gary. Right. 
Then Adam is round at Sarah's, he's done some digging at company's house and he's found out that our friend Derek isn't a stranger to insolvency and bankruptcy. Uh-oh. Sarah says, the ship has sailed, she's been outvoted, she doesn't even know if she wants to be involved in the factory anymore anyway. Right, row Then later in the pub, Ed agrees to give Seb the job and Seb asks about uh, potential overtime and then realises that the new boss is Gary. <gasps> Gary comes into the pub. That's right. But Gary assures him that the past is in the past and water under the bridge. Oh, that's nice. And congratulates Seb on getting a job and they shake hands. Fantastic. In comes Sarah, who ridicules Gary for his fortune cookie wisdom, calling him the big I am. She calls him a liar (laughs) and Gary says, either get on board or the deal's off. Sarah goes to the garage to see Gary. She's cooled somewhat and asks him not to punish other people because of her. Gary was angry but isn't petty. He says he's trying and he feels guilty about what happened. He's wanting to put things right and he wants to start that by rebuilding the factory. Huzzah! Do you believe him in this? This is what you said yeah. was his motivation last week. I I kind of do. I, I honestly, I think Corey is realising that you can't really make Gary a villain villain. Although I'm sure he's going to be beating Ryan up eventually. Next week, maybe. Because Ryan's not going to pay him back. No. But then again, none of these other tools pay him back on time. Maybe Ryan has some furniture he can throw at Gary. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> like an ottoman. Mm-hmm. Heads up. Or a Chester, a nice Chesterfield. Mm. Or an ottoman. At the pub, Sarah overhears the knicker people complaining about her. And Nick is sticking up for her, saying that she was only doing what she thought was for the best. Sarah wants to leave and leave them to it. Everyone insists that she stays on and works with Nick. And so she agrees. Yes. Sean says, you can never have too many bosses. Yeah. I think he's being a wee bit sarcastic there. Just a little. Yeah, but aren't they all bosses at this point? Do they all own a share in the factory? Oh, yeah. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So Sally is the only kind of holdout there towards the end. But then even Sally agrees. Right. And that's as far as we get with that this week. Correct. Unless it comes up on Friday. Uh-oh. Maybe. We'll and see. And that will be your job to... I think we should do the, what we did yeah. a few weeks ago where you just summarise Friday. Yeah. I like to do it. I like it that. I like just being able to sit back and not have to... And listen. Yeah. Read shit out. Right. Mm-hmm. Are you going to watch Fridays? No. You're just going <laughs> to let me watch it? Yes. Oh. That's what we did last time. I thought, I thought right. it worked pretty well. Yeah. But you're not interested in watching? Don't you love this show? Don't you love this show, Gav? <laughs> I, I think it's more interesting when I don't watch it and you watch it. <laughs> like when, oh, and you should throw in a lie. Yeah, I'm not I'm not like you. I can't do that. You can't make stuff up? I can't lie. You can't make stuff up? <laughs> I can make stuff up. So, I... yeah, so Gary seems to be, well, he's less of a rogue, I guess, Yeah. this week. yeah. Seems to be trying a little bit harder. Yeah, there really doesn't seem to be any sort of motivation. Like, I can't, I can't see an evil angle to this. That is you. That's not me. Boop boop. Yeah, that was me. Yeah, that was you. Yeah, I don't, I don't see how he could do harm to others with this project. So it must be him attempting to make amends. Nobody gets hurt in this. I just thought it was like a an attempt to make a huge amount of money. 
and that's that's kind of where I had a problem with it because I didn't see how he was going to make a huge amount of money from it. I don't think he's going to make a huge because he's money. out of pocket here. Although it's right. Rick's money he's spending, I guess. Yeah. Anyway. Who knows? Our next story tonight. It is tonight, right? Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> Who the daddy? Not the mama. On Monday, this is uh, Steve and Emma. Okay. On Monday, in Roy's roles, Steve offers his best wishes for Emma's dad. She's sure he'll be fine, and then Carla fucks up Steve's breakfast. So we're continuing this whole... This whole Carla fucks things up. Yep. Then later, Emma's at the salon. When was the last time we were at the salon? God only knows. Pre-barbers, maybe? Ages ago. Yeah. She's scared about today, and Audrey offers to go with... And then offers to get Maria to go with. And that's what they seem to settle on. Because later, Emma's at the hospital with Maria. The doctor's explaining that her dad's cancer is advanced and aggressive and has moved from his stomach into his liver. Emma has hopes for chemo and a transplant, but the doctor explains that there's also a blockage. I was confused about the blockage. We didn't really get really any information on that, did we? There's a blockage where? In the plumbing? or Either in the stomach or in the maybe. liver somewhere her you dad is terminal he's gonna says, be dead yeah yeah Ugh. that was yeah i'm kind of at this point and yeah you're triggered <laughs> at this point triggered you're... to fuck yeah because i remember this my conversation with my mum's doctors no and they're they're bringing up images of my mum's lungs and showing where the growth is and all that sort of stuff I'm like, oh, i don't know this is yeah so tough yeah. Emma. At least your mom got chemo. At least your mom was kind of on top of things and did get chemo and stuff. And we had a long, we, ha- we had an advantage over Emma. We had a longer time to say goodbye. Yeah, we nearly got a year. Yeah, which was nice. <sighs> yeah. Emma is such a brave wee soldier, though. And with some encouragement from Maria, she puts her fears behind her and goes to sit with her dad in the uh, hospital room and holds his hand. And she tells him that she loves him. It was lovely. He's unconscious, though. And all she can say is, why didn't he tell her that he was unwell? And then he squeezes her hand back. And now I'm crying. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Coronation Street. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yeah, shit. <laughs> so he's come round and he asks after her mum and she tells him that she wanted to come but it's such a long way and he tells Emma how proud he is of her and I... he always loved her just like she was his own and then he falls back asleep again before Emma can figure out exactly what he means by that. Yeah. Then Audrey has arrived at the hospital with a sandwich for Emma because Maria's buggered off somewhere mm-hmm. and Audrey does her best to put Emma's mind at ease. Emma says that he was a good dad and this isn't fair. Emma tells Audrey what her dad said to him, implying that he wasn't her dad. And Audrey just blames the drugs. They make you say anything. Then Audrey encourages Emma to call her mum. Emma needs to know what her dad meant and off she goes. And Audrey looks like she seems to know more than she's letting on here. I don't but think, she doesn't I, I don't think she point. does at this no. point, but she looked like she did. She looks concerned. Then Emma's back from speaking with her mother, who was sorry she had to find out like that. Audrey tries to have her mum's back, explaining about not telling Gail who her dad was for years. <laughs> <laughs> Parents protect their children, she says. Then Emma's phone goes, and it's her mum again. Emma can't face it and runs off. And when Audrey looks at Emma's phone, 
she's surprised to see an older face of someone she very much recognises. Dum dum dum. It's only Steve's ex, Fiona. Fiona Mc- Middleton. Dun. Tun. 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 Tom Tom. Then Audrey's in the room with Emma and her dad, and she's reminiscing about going shopping for him, and then the conversation about her mum not visiting crops up. Turns out that Emma suspects her mum doesn't even know her address. Audrey offers to go home and get Emma a change of clothes. Emma is the most important thing in Audrey's life right now. And I thought that was lovely. And Emma says, Dennis is her dad, and nothing will change that, and Audrey can barely hold her tongue. So Emma's taking a break. Oh, God, this is this is well. Yeah. Jesus. Emma has taken a break for an hour and has come back to find that her dad has slipped away. Racked with guilt, Emma falls on his body in tears, saying that she's sorry. She's sorry. Ugh. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, that's... And and, and that seems to always happen, doesn't it? Well, for me, I was told by the doctors to go and get some rest because I'd been up... I'd just arrived from... Flying from Michigan to Glasgow... Mm-hmm. I'd been up that entire day right. from the Monday to the Tuesday. They told me to go get some sleep. Mm-hmm. I'll go get some sleep. And then they come and tell me, yeah. yeah, this is probably the end. And that was that. Ugh. And I think they deliberately did that to get me out of the way. Yeah. That's kind of what I think. But anyway, again, triggered to fuck. Yes. Audrey's in the pub chatting about Emma's dad to Liz. Uh oh. Right, even though she promised Emma that she wasn't going to say anything to anybody. Right. Liz mentions. Never tell Audrey anything. Liz mentions that poor Emma's life is about to change, and then cryptically, Audrey says, Yeah, maybe not just Emma's life. Liz does not like the look on Audrey's face, she says. And Audrey explains that Fiona Middleton is Emma's mum. <gasps> she asks if Liz can keep a secret. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And About Audrey, as well as you can, Audrey. And Audrey tells her that Emma's dad isn't a real dad, which Fiona confirmed, and the penny very quickly drops for Liz. Steve? She asks. Dum, dum, dum. Uh, then back at the salon, Audrey's going through a box looking for Emma's application form, which will have her date of birth on it. And she finds it, and it's May the 3rd, 1999. That means that she was conceived in August of '98. Alfie bought the salon from Fiona in September of 98. So Emma is my granddaughter, asks Liz. Congratulations, says Audrey. And they both take a legendary hit from the glasses of wine that they're currently working on. In the salon. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in the the back in the salon. Right, yeah. It surprises me that Emma is so young. I was thinking that she was only that. How old is she, Helen? Because she's younger than Nick by a year. So she's 20. Correct. I am now flipping gaps first. And now it's going back down. Well, that's one. (laughs) On Wednesday, Liz is looking at Emma at the bus stop from the window off the flat. Mm -hmm. And she sighs. Then comes Steve, who's dressed as a ringmaster for another unicorn party for some reason. he's wearing lots of sequins. He's wearing a a white sequin jacket. He looks quite like a unicorn himself. (laughs) Although it looks like there's like donuts on his bow tie. Liz wants a word with him. It's something very important. And Steve practices his patter and winks when he mentions Tiny's horn. 
Liz re- recommends not winking. Yeah, drop the wink. Then later, Audrey's round at Lizzie's telling her uh, off for planning to tell Steve. This isn't Lizzie's secret to tell. In that case, Audrey needs to tell Emma, and Audrey reluctantly agrees to do this. Then Steve's and Roy's rolls. It seems that Tiny's peed on his leg. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> he sees Emma and he asks <laughs> after her dad and she confirms, yeah, he died last night. Oh. She apologises for crying on him and he thinks it's better than pee and Emma says, oh, I'd never do that. <laughs> I know, that was funny. That's what I love that about so Emma. This is, this is entirely what I love about Emma. Uh-huh. Even in the saddest storyline that she's been involved in. Right. And, and she slept with David, remember? <laughs> She manages to be funny here. Right. She still has great comedic timing. Just brilliant. She's brilliant. Yep. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. I'm so glad that they're using her more. Then Steve asks after her mum, and Emma says that she isn't coming over from Australia, but she still has family around here. So Steve's interested and asks about her, and Emma reveals that she was a hairdresser called Fiona. Fiona Middleton. And Steve admits that he knows Fiona. He knows Fiona quite well. Yes, in the biblical sense. Emma says, well, you'll know what a selfish cow she was. And Steve gives her yes. a hug just as Liz comes in. And Steve tells her about Fiona and Liz wants that chat. Uh-huh. Right now. Yes, Liz. Who looks like an orange peacock this week? Oh, did you? Yes. She's got those orange feather fan earrings, the orange feather fan necklace, and then orange peacock feathers. All over her top. Very festive. Very orange. Festive? Yes. In August? Festive doesn't necessarily mean Christmassy. I always associate that with, with Christmas. That's very interesting. I do not. Festive means Christmas to me. Right. It's a festive season. Yeah. Festivals are festive. Ah, festivals are festive. Are festive. Festivals are festive. No. It's right there in the name. Festivals smell of urine. What kind of festivals are you going to? Rock festivals? <laughs> what festivals are you going to? Non urine ones, I, I assume. <laughs> then Audrey sees Audrey sees Emma outside sitting on oh she's sitting on uh, Maxine's bench. Oh. She's been arranging her dad's funeral. Oh my god, this is again. Yeah. Trigger, 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 trigger. Yeah. She's 20 years old and she's organising her dad's, dad's funeral, funeral because her mum isn't there and nobody else is going to help her and do yeah. it. Oh, just... <sighs> she's never even been to a funeral, she says, and Audrey promises to help and she picks some of Steve's sequins out of her hair. Emma tells a story about a wasp and her dad and she's made a decision that she doesn't want to know who her real dad is. Well, set my tits on fire, says Audrey, and she looks at the sky and shakes her head. Liz has got Steve back home and she wants this chat. It's about Emma, she says. Liz explains that Emma's dad wasn't a real dad. Oh, bless, says Steve. Emma doesn't know who a real dad is and Fiona didn't want to tell her. And it takes Steve a ridiculously long time to figure this out. And when he does, he finds it impossible to believe. Yeah. And and, and he even he even tries to throw his dad in there. Well, and... we'll, we'll, we'll get to this. Oh. Liz says the dates add up, and Steve does some counting, yeah. but it takes far too long. Oi! So Liz <laughs> has to explain. 
But I'm this not the only one. But this isn't good enough for Steve. Maybe Emma was born late, or maybe she was born early, or maybe some other bloke knocked her up after she dumped him. It could have been his dad for all he knows. Liz says no. Interestingly, Jim McDonald did. Yes, but he'd already had a vasectomy before. Fiona. Before he had sex with Fiona. He thinks Fiona would have told him. Steve thinks that Fiona would have told him. Maybe not. I mean, she seems like... Oh, she's certainly carrying some grudges against Steve. I think that's pretty clear, right? Yeah. I mean, I wasn't watching the show back then, so I don't know what she was like. I don't really recall her that much. I was uh, watching her at that point, but I don't... I, I remember her. Mm-hmm. Nobody I, seems to like her. She seems to have a not very nice reputation on the street. Right. And she slept with Steve's dad. Ugh. So gross. Oh, God, it's like that... That thing from... From earlier in the year. Somebody posted a picture... Yeah, yeah. Jim Ugh. McDonald must like them young. Oh, it's just so awful. Ew. In the pub, Tim knows something is up with Steve, and Steve immediately blabs that Emma might be his daughter. But he says not to tell anybody. So now four people know about this. <laughs> yes. Steve knows, Tim knows, Audrey knows, and Liz knows. Yeah. And Audrey swore Liz to secrecy, and now it's starting and to spread. Emma swore Audrey to secrecy about, you know, her dad not being her real dad. Please don't tell anybody. No, she did, yeah. Yeah. And then Liz goes into Roy's roles and sees Audrey and Emma and Emma nips out to take a call from her mum and Audrey knows immediately that Liz has already told Steve. Audrey says she's messing with things that she has no business messing with but Liz says that she needs to know if Emma is her granddaughter. Mm-hmm. And she's mentioned this a few times through the episode. Yeah. And that's as far as we get with that storyline yep. on Monday and Wednesday. And this is I it's think It's not like she probably... doesn't already have a granddaughter. But... I think I think if I were picking granddaughters, I would pick Emma over Amy. Oh God, yeah, Amy, yeah. <laughs> you forgot all about I Amy. Totally forgot about Amy. And then she has a grandson. She's got Oliver. And it's Steve's brother, who's never on the show. Has he ever had kids? Oh, I don't recall. I think he left before he had any. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't think we know. Yeah. This is the one storyline from this week that I'm kind of disappointed that we're not going to be... Well, I'm not going to watch Friday. Well, maybe you should watch Friday. I'd kind of like to see where this goes. Yeah, me too. Do you think it's going to come out on Friday? Do you think it's all all going to be... Uh, I kind of hope so. I kind of hope so. In in the course of finding some Corey news, I did read a few spoilers, but I'm not going to reveal them now. No, okay. Then why even mention it? So that if people are interested, they can go and look them up themselves. Oh, okay. Yeah, somebody on Twitter posted a picture of Fiona with the Jim McDonald. And it just turned my stomach. (laughs) Well, Jim McDonald was a much younger man back then. Yeah, but still, Fiona was even younger and sleeping with his son. (laughs) That's just, no, you don't do that. I am in two minds about this. At least now she she will have family on the street, and that will be nice. And then it's it's more proof of Steve's mighty sperm 
His spooge is very, very mighty. He is seeding the whole street. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think he's probably Roy's dad. <laughs> Do you think? He's everybody's dad. Oh, it's just Muppet. such potent. Muppet face, mighty spooge. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All the power comes from below. Well done, Steve. Simon <laughs> Gregson, uh, interestingly, is selling... He plays Steve. He's selling uh, personalised announcements on the internet. 30 quid a pop. Like what? Like he'll wish you a happy birthday or whatever. For 30 quid. He'll record himself wishing you a happy birthday. Hmm. <laughs> Is it worth 30 quid? If anybody wants me to wish them a happy birthday, I will do it for £29. <laughs> so. Or... Even $29. No, pounds. <laughs> it has to be an equivalency. So, moving on then. Our next story tonight is Dev's Books. On Monday, oh. Dev's back. Woohoo! Yay! And Asher's back. Yay! <laughs> Dev looks tanned. Well, he's been in India. Yeah. Looks tanned and refreshed and happy. For reasons that I don't think become quite clear, Adi's been left behind. <laughs> In India. Why? The good news is, dear listener, Uncle Ravi has rallied. So he ain't deed. Meaning the whole trip was ultimately pointless. Right. Well, the kids got to see family... Dev got to see family. Well, Asha didn't because all she did was stay in a room. In the hotel. She's back because it seems she wasn't wanted. She's as much of a cow here as she was when she left, and Mary is pleased to see them both. Yes. She considers herself part of the family and tells her not to worry about Asha's attitude. Dev doesn't want to talk about the shop just yet, despite Mary really, really wanting to talk about the shop just yet. Right. He wants to enjoy what's left of his holiday. And how does he enjoy what's left of his holiday, Helen? Oh... He joins Tim and Steve in the hot tub. Along with some puppets oh, yeah. that he bought them. <laughs> that he said reminded him of them. One is bald. That's Tim's. And one is has a co- hood. covered in semen. <laughs> one has a very large penis. <laughs> or very large balls. It would be very large balls, wouldn't it? Because that's, well, just... that's where all the stuff is kept. That's where the mighty spooge would be. I don't be. know if it's the size of the balls or the quality of what they produce that's important here. Or just a lot of it. Because he sees the whole street. Oh, just so much. So, so much. much. The biggest balls in the world. <sighs> so, that's why he walks funny. Yes, that's why he has that Muppet face. That's why he, he's, <laughs> he's always trying to balance his balls. Do you want to say balls a little bit more often? Balls, 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 balls. So Tim, Dev and Steve are enjoying themselves in the hot tub. But not like that. Then Tim accidentally reveals that Evelyn has been running a bookies from Dev's and then is surprised when Dev didn't know. And Dev bursts out of the hot tub, absolutely furious. Freaking out. He storms into the shop. Still wet. Yep. And he's... Uh, shirt unbuttoned. Is he shirt unbuttoned? Very much so. There was a lot of chest there. And he's going crazy about Evelyn running a bookie. She admits it and thinks that, uh, and he thinks that he could be prosecuted about this. 
Then he notices all the price changes that she's made, and he starts tearing the, police, the price slips from the alcohol, which, according to Evelyn, little Ruby spent ages labelling up. I that loved, was sweet. I loved, I loved that. <laughs> Dev throws her out, and then Evelyn says, this is the last time I do anyone a favour, especially you, ya bam. <laughs> At home, Mary is shouting Asher down for lunch. Asher isn't interested, but when it sounds like Mary's coming up the stairs, Asher's quick to say that she'll be down in a minute, and then she seems to hide a box under her bed. Yes. That's kind of weird. What's in the box? I'm keeping stum. Oh, you know what's in the box? I know what's in oh. the box. I think I might know what's in the box. In fact, I almost I almost did some, had to do some more research today because I have a question about this storyline about the legalities of some things but that's probably going to be revealed next week unless that's done on Friday Okay. then Dev is at home looking at the books he is disgusted at Evelyn Mary tells him about her suspicions that Evelyn was buying reduced items for herself and Dev says that he feels like a fool conversation turns to Asha who has barely been out of her room and Dev says that she was the same in India hardly left a hotel Dev feels like he's lost her and Mary says that she'll come back to him Dev thinks that Asha is lost and Mary promises to get to the bottom of it then on Wednesday Dev is still looking at the books and he's amazed Mary assumes it's because Evelyn has been stealing but actually the profits are up Evelyn it turns out is very good for business hmm and then Summer has been given some lines this week. Huzzah! And she turns up looking for Asha to play Rounders at the Red Wreck. Yeah. Mm. Amy's going to be there as well. Um, and she needs but people we on need, team. Yeah, mm. um, we need Asha because Amy's not very good at batting the ball or whatever. What is Rounders? Rounders is baseball, essentially. I thought uh, cricket was essentially baseball. No, cricket's cricket. Cricket's nothing really like baseball at all but huh. rounders is oh asha isn't interested but summer manages to talk her into it by saying that nobody else is very good at rounders and asha apparently is quite good at rounders yes <sighs> rounders hmm. i wonder when she comes down but she's wearing and she's wearing uh long sleeves and oh she's all wrapped up like it's yeah the middle summer's, of winter. summer's like we're going to be running around and stuff. So what you're going to wear? And Asha's quite snippy. Do you know, this is what I've written down. Asha is ready to go and is quite snippy with Summer. Mm-hmm. She blames it on the jet lag. And then the boogie. Mary has made a picnic and tells them to go out and enjoy themselves. And Summer is keen to learn all about India. Then Dev comes round to see Evelyn, she's not interested. She calls the gambling ring a piece of harmless fun, and then he produces this massive till receipt. <laughs> Profits have gone up by quite a lot, which is amazing because she's usually in the pub. <laughs> that shop's shut more often than it's open. <laughs> yeah, well, Dev's hardly ever in there either. Dev asks her it. to come back to work with him, and she says, well, I will think about it. And later, Dev's back, interrupting Evelyn's dinner. And Evelyn is, once again, adorable with Ruby. Right, yeah, she eats all her ratatouille for her. Because <laughs> Ruby's not wanting to eat her dinner. And as soon as Tyrone leaves to answer the door, Evelyn scoffs it down. Tyrone comes back and is clearly fooled by this yes. sophisticated ruse. Mm. 
But then Evelyn is uh, pretending that Ruby is her business advisor. Right. <laughs> and she pretends to whisper comments to Ruby, and Ruby pretends to whisper back to her. It was just mm-hmm. so bloody lovely. I mm-hmm. just adored it. Anyway, uh, Ruby apparently has told Evelyn to take the job, but only for 12 quid an hour. Dev is shocked because this is more than he makes, but he agrees as long as there's no more gambling. And then Dev's home, trying to talk to Asha. He's happy that she went out, but he's worried about her. And she tells him there's nothing to worry about, and she's not hungry, and she doesn't want to talk, and she storms up the stairs. And there was something where she seemed to drop something, and he wanted to help her pick her up, pick it up. And, he, and, and she freaked out and didn't want his help. Right. Yeah. And that's as far as we get with that. Yes. And also, he says that he's making her favourites, just like the way her mum used to make, and this seems to set her off as well. Right. Poor Asha. No mum. Just Mary. Sunita be dead. Correct. However, however, there's good news in the storyline, because it looks like Evelyn is going to be a permanent fixture at Dev's store. Yay! That's funny. How do you think Mary's going to react? Oh, she's not going to be happy. No. <laughs> I don't think, no, I think she's going to feel a bit betrayed by Dev about it feels all this. Like, it feels like Mary is... She's very protective of, of Dev and the kids and, and her role within their lives, which is interesting. You know, because there's obviously nothing romantic going on between Dev and Mary. No. Um, in fact, Mary poo-poos that... When somebody suggests it, suggested it last week. It's a very interesting dynamic there. So I will be keen to see this storyline. Oh, she's essentially a nanny. Yeah, but she's more than that. She's a nanny, but she's also family, you know. She considers herself a member of the family, and they seem to kind of. It's interesting that she considers herself. They seem to consider herself. Dev doesn't say, yeah, yeah, you are. He just lets that go. No, I mean, there's been plenty of times Dev has said that Mary is a lifesaver and he doesn't know what he would do without her, etc. So, anyway, next story. Chop, chop. Are you in a hurry? Yeah. Got a hot date. We now have a series of very, very short storylines. Uh-huh. Next one is Carla's on the mend. On Monday, Carla oh. and Joe LaFoe are meeting up in Speed Dial, and Yay. Carla is ready to get stuck in, and Joe's happy that 80% of Carla is better than 100% of anyone else. Do you know what 80% of Carla is? What? Carl. <laughs> Carla's telling Peter about the Joe LaFoe offer, but it turns out that she's turned it down. Did Peter, she? Yeah, Peter thinks that she's did the right thing and thanks her, and she tells him that she needs a boyfriend here, not a ca- not a carer. Right, yeah. He starts to, you know, do this whole thing. Uh, it was the right thing to do because you're not ready for this and blah, 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 blah. Right. Being the controlling asshole that he is. And then they're standing in the gunnel and Carl and Peter fancy getting their hole, but Roy's home and Ken's home and Simon's home. So Peter tells her about a nice lay-by he knows about and Carla is very much into this idea. Ugh. Hey, what's a lay-by? A uh, parking spot. Okay. What's wrong with that? Off a motorway or a busy road. Uh huh. You can't get a hotel. <laughs> it's kind of sexy. Is it? No, what? A lay by? 
that's as far as we get with that. So this again, just progression showing that Carla's getting better. But the the Joel Lafoe storyline or addition was yeah. Weird. What was the point? What's the point of it? I think she is. She's she's not going to turn Joe down. I think I think Joe's going to come back with a better offer, and Carla's going to take it. Yeah, maybe. That that would need to happen. Otherwise, it is just, it's just entirely pointless. Next. No parking, no dancing. This is a Chesney and Gemma storyline with, with Bernie. Bernie. Just on Wednesday, Bernie's dancing in the living room and we all know what Chesney thinks about dancing in the living room. <laughs> Gemma's had her scan, the babies are doing fine, but Bernie's eaten all the bread and hasn't taken care of the washing up. Oh, for fuck's sake, says Chesney. Then he opens up an envelope and isn't pleased by the contents. Bernie's back from the shops without bread and it seems that she's managed to pick up a 70 quid parking fine. That's what the letter was all about. Uh-huh. Chesney and Gemma With tell Chesney's her... Chesney's car. Yeah. Chesney and Gemma tell her to bolt. This is her mess. She'll have to figure out the answer herself. They're not going to bail her out. And then later, Bernie's in the pub, rattling the charity tin, not telling anyone she's trying to get her 70 quid for her parking fine, and she flatters Brian into donating even more money than they already has. She says that he reminds her of Marlon Brando? Is that it? Oh, I'm not sure. Only much more handsome. He and, falls for it anyway. Yeah. And I mean, if she's talking about old Brando, then she's right. <laughs> Jenny wants to see her charity ID, and wouldn't you know it, Bernie doesn't have one. And that tin looks well dodgy. It looks like she just stuck some stickers on the front of it. Brian says this is against the law, and he wants his money back. Mm-hmm. And that's all that happened there. And he gets his money back. Well, he takes his money back. So, I'm not sure where we're going with this. This is kind of Dullsville. <laughs> Chesney is such a little old man, isn't he? Well, he's always been a little old I mean, man. I mean, I, I understand getting mad about eating the bread and not putting the clothes in the dryer so he's not ready for work and stuff. But he really overreacts about the dancing, especially since she's fully clothed. She's dancing with clothes on. That should be fine. It was the middle of the day, and I'm like, is it because Joseph's sleeping again? Because Joseph always has to be sleeping or in the bath? Where is Joseph? He's either sleeping or he's in the bath. <laughs> oh. how, how did this push anything forward? The, the babies are fine. Bernie's still an ass. Chesty's it's, still dull. It's just further proof, I guess, that Bernie is... Because now Gemma is, is saying to her, you gotta, you gotta straighten up and fly right, and you gotta take care of this. So Gemma's Gemma's eyes have been opened to the redonkulousness that is Bernie. Our so. penultimate storyline tonight. Woot woot. Tim's fucking dad. Oh, he needs to go fucking jump off a fucking cliff. Where's Eileen when you need her to punch somebody right in the face? Interestingly, the poll that I ran on Twitter. Stone Cold Steve Austin's Stone Cold Stunner was the uh, the winner. Yeah. Of the you only got seven votes. Though. Only got seven so votes. Sad. I don't know why. I don't understand we got Twitter. Votes. We got better votes for a favorite Cory dog. Got basically a hundred impressions for that tweet. It's I don't understand how Twitter works. Anyway, nobody does. On Wednesday, Yasmin and Kathy are in Roy's roles. Tim's dad is great around the house, says Jasmine, but he's so fucking needy, she says. 
He wants to be by her side all day, and Cathy asks if she plays bridge. Yasmin says that she does. So Cathy suggests that she partners up with Brian, which will get Cathy out having to go to Ken's bridge night. Because Cathy hates bridge for some reason. Or Ken, for obvious reasons. <laughs> I never thought of that. Yasmin explains how she's going to partner Brian at Ken's bridge club, and Tim's dad says that bridge is his game, and they should definitely team up together. She'll just have to break her promise to Cathy. It'll be good to spend some time together for a change, she says. And Even though they spend every freaking second together. And off he goes, leaving Yasmin to think, what the actual just happened there? Oh, it was it was so ridiculous. I wanted to punch him and I, mm-hmm. I don't like him. No, I know that. No. Then Brian arrives at Speeddal and is disappointed to learn that Yasmin is going to partner Tim's dad. Yasmin is quite upset about this and Tim's dad is an annoying shit. Yes, he is. And that's as far as we get with that. And and Brian takes his library book back. So this is continued Just, manipulation and control of Yasmin. Right, yeah. And I don't like the <sighs> I don't like this. I don't like it at all. The way Emma's storyline triggers you, this whole thing just triggers me so much and it just it makes me uncomfortable and there are times I have to stop it and leave the room and then come back. Huh. Because the storyline makes me so uncomfortable. I really hate Tim's dad. Yes. And I want to punch him in the face. Yes. Or give him a stone cold stunner. <laughs> yes. Possibly through a table. Yes. I prefer rock bottom. I thought rock bottom would win. Maybe that's the problem. Maybe people just don't know what these things are. Well, that's why I provided gifts of every one of them. Yeah. <laughs> I also like... Uh, the 3D through a table that uh, the Dudley boys used to do. Yeah. That was pretty good. Yeah. You can't beat rock bottom, though. You can't beat... Or, or the people's elbow. <laughs> the most electrifying move in sports entertainment, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> the worm. I quite like the worm as well. Scotty Two Hotties. Finishing move. I've tried to do that several times whilst drunk. and To whom? Every time I've fallen flat on my face... <laughs> I've never uh, seen you uh, try to do this. Oh, my friends can tell you. Friends? I have friends. You know how to get I a hold friends. of me. I have friends. I, that's not what I was saying. I, I said friends, you know how to go to hold of me. Specifically, uh, Tommy Fitzpatrick, who definitely doesn't listen to this. Aw. None of the Stoops for that pa- matter. Steve, Fitz- the Steve Fitzpatrick listens, though. He didn't see me do it. Oh. He's probably heard, though. Yeah, probably. From Tommy. From Tommy. Because Tommy doesn't know how to keep his fucking mouth shut. I know, Tommy. I'm going to get a hold of Tommy. Our final storyline tonight is Robert's Triangle of Lies. Oi. Robert does some lying this week. I Enjoy. (laughs) On Monday, Robert... End of. Robert has... (laughs) Yes. So what do you think is going to happen? Okay. So on Monday, Robert has ignored Irish Tina's request and has turned up to see her and is pissed that Jed is out with Tyler and then talks about getting quality time with Irish Tina. Maybe they could go for a walk, go shopping for the baby, and Irish Tina agrees and goes off to change her top. Yeah, although at first she seemed to hope that that meant something else. Ah ho ho. Yeah. Back from shopping, in comes Jed and Tyler, and Irish Tina is definitely more Irish Tina when Jed is around. It's just like when you're around Scottish people, you become more Scottish. Correct. Like when you're talking to Uncle Sammy. Yes. Oh, God. (laughs) Something hasn't gone right in their day. 
Tyler, it seems, isn't so chuffed to see his dad. And Jed talks about yeah, the house and family Tyler has waiting for him back in Ireland. And with some backing from Robert, Tyler storms off and it looks like Robert and Jed are going to have a square go again. Jed promises that uh, Irish Tina would have a great life in, Ir- in Ireland and Robert says something smart and so Jed smashes him in the mouth. Correct. I loved that. Yeah, that was great. Robert deserves to be punched in the mouth. All the time. Far more often than he yes. is. Yes, Absolutely. Then Irish Tina's patching Robert up, Jed is gone, and Irish Tina admits that while she doesn't know what she wants, she knows that she doesn't want Jed, but she needs to know what Robert is offering. And Robert's checking out his stupid lying face in the mirror later on. Irish Tina presses him, where do they stand? And when Robert doesn't answer, she says that she knew it. She knew he was stringing her along all the time. He says he isn't, but says that he has to be careful about how he handles Michelle, and claims his future is in Irish Tina's belly. He doesn't want to hurt Michelle any more than he has to. And Irish Tina suspects that he still loves her, but remarkably agrees and then tells Robert to go and have a soak in the bath. Or we think that she agrees. Yeah. Because while Robert's in the bath, she seems to have done the runner. Post-bath, Robert sees Tyler. Robert's wearing one of Tyler's shirts. It seems that Irish Tina is off into town to take care of some business. Pig's tits, says Robert. Yes, in his flesh-eating bugs sweatshirt. The Tyler says, hey, I need that back. Right. So Robert catches up with Irish Tina on the street. This is not how Robert wants to play it. Irish Tina says that he doesn't want to play it at all. And she goes to move past him, but he physically stops her. This is his life, and he'll sort this out himself. She says that she's doing him a favour, and he says, you want to do me a favour? Then get on the next bus back to Macclesfield. Yikes. Go fuck yourself, Robert. Irish Tina doesn't wait to be told twice. And she leaves, and then just at that, Michelle gets out of a taxi. Yeah, she turns and she storms off, and then Robert's like, oh, well, at least let me give you a ride to the station. And it's like, what? (laughs) Right. (laughs) Michelle notices Robert's lip and his stupid t-shirt, and Robert says that he'll explain it all inside. So in the bistro, Michelle wonders if Robert's clothes are a midlife crisis. Robert says he got the shirt from one of the boys he's looking after, one of those young offenders that he keeps on referring back to, who lost his temper and basically tells her what's going on with Irish Tina, where his role is played by someone else. What a fucking mess, says Michelle. No shit, says Robert. Then on Wednesday, Michelle gets a call at the bistro and is distracted. Robert phones Irish Tina and leaves another message for her. He'll be over to talk to her face-to-face later. Robert's about to tell another lie to Michelle when he reads that something was wrong with the call that she was just on. And apparently, Ray has said that Alia was on the phone dum, to dum, him dum. with a business plan and she wants to have a meet with him. Was that what it was? Yes. I was confused as to what all that rubbish was about. Yes. Alia sent a business plan to this guy. She doesn't want the job that this guy gave to Michelle, but she does still want to cater for him. And it seems like he's not interested. In her kid, in her delicious food that he seemed to love so much, right? All of a sudden, and is only interested in Michelle. However, when he first asked Alia to take to do this, Michelle wasn't even in the picture. She wasn't even there. So why all of a sudden does he not like Alia's food? I'm so confused by this. I none of it sense. makes any sense. It's just as dumb as dumb, 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 dumb face who keeps lying to people and is so dumb. So he wants Michelle to tell Alia that there's no point having a meeting. Um, Again, what a dick. Why can't he do it himself? 
Alia is Ryan's girlfriend. This makes it awkward, says Michelle. Awkward. And Robert makes another young offender's excuse to leave, and Michelle gives him a ring to get it resized. Outside. Hmm, what do we think is going to happen there? <laughs> I, Why honestly, can't Michelle? I didn't, I didn't see that coming. Really? Right. You didn't see that I coming? Didn't see it coming? You didn't see it coming when Michelle gives him back the ring to get resized and he's going to Irish Tina's on the way. I honestly didn't see that coming. What is wrong with you? Because I saw it coming a mile away. I was like, Michelle, get your own freaking ring resized. You know what I really liked about that is when. Michelle asks Robert if she's a bad person. And Robert says no. Oh, that's later. That's not that's not that point. I thought it was during this no. point when she's like she's no. sorry for throwing Ali out into the bus. No. Stuff. No. Outside, Tyler phones Robert. They're off to Northern Ireland, apparently. The taxi is on its way, and Tyler tells his mum, because Robert says that he's going to come round, that he needs to go and uh, pick up his final pay packet from his boss and asks her to cancel the cab for now. Then Robert arrives at Irish Tina's. She isn't interested in seeing him, but he barges in anyway. There's nothing left to say, she says. He apologises for yesterday, but he's proved to her that he doesn't care. She loved him until he practically pushed her off the street and then she threatens him with the police. And she's actually going to be good to her word and is about to phone the police as Robert says that they can make it work and promises that they can be a couple. But she's not falling for it and starts shoving him out. He worries about the baby, and that just makes her worse, and with his tail between his legs, he slinks off. Then Tyler comes home to find a distressed Irish Tina. She sobs in his arms, telling him that Robert's only interested in the baby, and Tyler says his van is still parked outside and they contemplate slashing his tyres. This was a really lovely scene between Tyler and Irish Tina, because Tyler was actually nice to his mum. Yep. Let's get to Ireland, she says, and she calls another taxi. Meanwhile, Tyler finds Michelle's ring on the carpet, and both he and Irish Tina jump to a massively wrong conclusion. Well, I mean, it's not hard to jump to that conclusion, is it? He's got a ring in his pocket. And right enough, Robert is sitting in the van, and Irish Tina goes out to him and apologises for interrupting his proposal. He's like, what the fuck are you talking about? She gives him the ring back and asks if they can try it again. And Robert tells her that he thought Ireland had won and he plays along with yet another lie. He doesn't know what she wants anymore and Irish Tina gives him uh, the ring and says that she's going to miss him and they share a kiss. He tells her to stay, they obviously care for each other and Irish Tina cancels yet another taxi. Meanwhile, Alia is waiting for Ray's call and Ryan suggests having a word with Michelle. I really don't understand this. She's on their side after all. Back at the house, Robert's trying to explain why he went to all that bother and didn't propose. Apparently he didn't want it to be a grand gesture, he says. And rather awkwardly, he kind of admits to loving Irish Tina. There's only one thing left to do then, says Tyler. Well, maybe they should wait, suggests Robert, but Irish Tina is very keen. And so is Tyler. So Robert says, well, I guess we're getting engaged. But she wants the full bit. So Robert gets down on his knee and proposes with Michelle's ring. And is this at the point that you text me to say, what the fuck is wrong with Robert? Was it that point? I can't even remember. It was pretty much WTF Robert the whole night. Back at the bistro, I still don't understand what's going on here, but Michelle tells Alia to forget about Ray, and Ryan loses his shit, and he says that this was Alia's gig all along, but Michelle has stolen it from her. And then back at the house, Robert wants to take the ring to get resized, but Irish Tina's having none of it. Tyler calls Robert dad and Robert looks like he's going to puke up in his own mouth. 
Irish Tina wants to get Michelle told about the engagement so that she can finally move on. And Robert's like, yeah, okay, whatever. <laughs> and later, Alia's licking her wounds while Ryan continues to be fru- while Ryan continues to be furious. And when Alia leaves, Ryan finds Ray's business card. And then somehow Robert is now back at the bistro and in the kitchen while Michelle comes off the phone. He has something to tell her, but she talks over him. People always let you down, she says. And he thinks that she's talking about his affair, but she's talking about Ryan, who has called up Ray and slagged Michelle off, saying that she can't be trusted. She worries that she's a bad person, and Robert consoles her and gives her a hug. You are a bad person, Michelle. She's a bad person. She's a terrible person. Yeah. She's an awful, awful person. She's a very bad person. And Michelle wonders if she should quit the Ray thing, but Robert thinks that she has a head for business. Sure. What ifs. And should see it through. Don't let Alia and Ryan stop her chasing her dreams, he says. Yeah, because he kind of wants her out of the picture right. so that he can have this double life and practice bigamy. Michelle doesn't know what she'd do without him. What are the bigamy laws in the UK, do you think? It's a bad thing. <laughs> now, what did they want to talk about, she says. And he says that he took the ring back to the jewellers and she says, I can always rely on you. And that is how we end this week's episodes. Except for Friday. What's Robert looking to get here? What, what's Robert's end game here? I don't know. Because he did, can't marry them both. How is he going to get that ring back into Michelle? Is he just going to buy another ring? Just buy another one, He's going to have to buy another one. Because he has all the money. <sighs> I just don't see what his scheme is it's i don't think he has a scheme i think he is caught he's caught in his lies so he has to keep lying and he has no idea what he's doing he doesn't love irish tina he wants a baby but he doesn't want irish tina he seems to want michelle but i don't think he loves her either oh i think he's, how much can he love her he, i think he's in love with the idea of her more than Ugh. Michelle herself. Jeez, he really needs to have a word with himself then. I, 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 the whole thing is messed up, and he just he's he supposed can't stop to marry her though. Yeah, we but know. But now he's thing. supposed to marry Irish Tina. <sighs> this and, is this is preposterous. And you know she's right. She's absolutely right. You know he's being an asshole, trying to hide her away. Seems ashamed of her. Right. It's a dick move. Yeah. If, if that's the way you feel, you shouldn't have been sleeping with her, you dick. And she seems to... Irish Tina seems, seems to... Seems to genuinely love Robert for some reason. But she hasn't fallen for his lies like Michelle's fallen for them. No. No. She seems to be a bit more streetwise to that. She's she seems more intelligent, shall we say, than Michelle. Well, Michelle's been deliberately obtuse, I think. Oh, that's what I said, and you said you didn't think so. No, I, th- I think her character's been deliberately obtuse. I think she's you been think? written to be an, an idiot for the purposes of the storyline. I don't think I don't think she suspects anything. But Ryan knows that something's up, though, right? And Ali knows something's up. And Tracy knows that something's up. It's it the, the stuff's gonna hit the fan. Oh dear. Moment of the week. Uh, Emma talking about. Her dad getting the wasp out of her hair. Oh, really? A bit. I thought that was just, it was very moving. 
and she's talking about her, you know, you, you you find out everything you need to know about her relationship with her dad in that one moment. I suppose. Cause and it's also very touching the way Audrey is getting the sequins out of her hair and is, is, and is caring for her like a parent, like a, a family member, you know, because Audrey has said, you are everything to me right now. You are my number one priority. So right. it's just, it's lovely that Emma still has people who have her back and who love her and care for her, mm-hmm. you know, and the way she's talking about the story and how she was freaking out and her dad calmed her down. And then her dad had gotten bit by the wasp that he didn't let on. Stung. He, he, you know what I mean? But I mean, you could really pick any, anything Emma did this week. But for me, that was, I think one of the most touching scenes in the whole Emma thing. It's either that or when she's talking to him when he's unconscious, you know, and she's holding his hand and and he rubs he rubs her hand just a little bit while he's unconscious. Yeah, it gives her a hand a wee squeeze. Yep. Yeah. That was that was really sweet as well. I liked the shots of their hands together and everything. I thought that was very well done. Mm-hmm. What would you say? I, th- I thought her Monday when her when she comes to the, the realization that he's not going to get better. I, I thought her, the, the way that she became upset there, I thought was just heartbreaking. Yeah. The the the, the acting on Monday was just wonderful. Her acting always just wonderful. Just fantastic. And it's nice to see that she has this, this side of her mm-hmm. skill where she's not right. just the comic character, right. although she's hugely so effective at that. At that. Um, but she has this other thing that she can rely on and mm-hmm. skill that she can pull from to, to just sell this hugely emotive storyline mm-hmm. which uh, I guess you can argue one way or the other about the the, the goal of it right. f- for Steve to have the super spooge doesn't <laughs> seem to be the storyline of her going through the death of her dad is as strong I, I think the yes. the Steve part of it kind of weakens it a little bit because it's it's kind of done for a stupid reason, I think. Or it feels like it's been done for a stupid reason. And, and maybe the way that they'll play it is going to be fantastic, and I hope it is. I think it will be. But I think I think we're in for a few surprises with, with all of the characters involved. Uh, I think it's I going to so, be... I hope so, but this this week we had Tiny Peen on Steve and then wearing a sequin right. suit, which is... But that's Steve. Uh, which doesn't give it really the gravitas I think it deserves. Right, but, but if he's not wearing that suit, then Audrey's not picking sequins out of Emma's oh, hair. I know, I know. And then we don't get the lovely story about the wasp. Okay, so Emma talking about the wasp. Is our... Moment of the week. Moment of the week. Boring moment of the week. Boring of the moment of the week. The Bernie stuff was pretty dull. The Bernie stuff was dull, I thought, and uh, the Tim's dad stuff was kind of mm, wasn't great. Carla's storyline was. I, I, I hear you, and I see you. People who just love these two characters together and in love. I am not one of you. <laughs> and I, I, you know, I feel like the whole stuff with with Tim's dad. Especially the first part of it where Yasmin seems to finally be 
trying to convey to Kathy. Yeah, she's on the right page, I think. About how troubling this is and how disturbing this is. Right. And Kathy's just kind of laughing it off and saying, oh, it's so nice that you have somebody who's so interested in you. Mm-hmm. And it's totally not getting it. That, if it weren't for the Emma stuff and the Evelyn and Ruby stuff, that would have been my moment of the week because it, that was just really well acted and really deeper than oh, yeah, sure. at first glance as well. Yep. So I don't really want to slam it with a boring of the moment of the week. Sarah trying to teach Gary how to say Chase Lounge. Cause, and she said it wrong, too. She said Chase Lounge or something. She says Chase Long is what she said. Yeah. Nobody calls it that. In the UK, everyone calls it that, uh, apart from Gary. Yeah. Gary is secretly an American. Story at 11. Well, it's French, so we kind of say it the way that French people say it. Chase Lounge. That's not how French people say it. Oh, well. That was boring, though. That whole talk was kind of boring. <sighs> what did you say besides Yasmin? Just the Bernie stuff. Oh, yeah. Chesney turning down the music and acting like the dad in Footloose. That's our boring moment of the week. That'll do. Because Chesney's boring. So Chesney acting like the dad in Footloose is our... Boring moment of the week. Do you want to get this wrapped up? Yes, please. If you've been affected by Tim's fucking dad, please share your pain and drop us a line. We're thetalkofthestreet at gmail.com on email, Skype and PayPal if you'd like to throw us a couple of bucks into our virtual tip jar. Please do. We really need an air conditioner in this room. We're at Cory Podcast on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram and our blog is gatheringdust at thetalkofthestreetpodcast.wordpress.com. Birthday wishes would also be appreciated. Hint, hint. Thank you for making it to the end of another episode. We will be back next week with a marginally extended Talk of the Streets. Bye. Cheerio. This episode was brought to you by Donahue Solicitors, an award-winning firm of expert compensation claims lawyers. Donahue Solicitors represents claimants throughout England and Wales in their civil actions against the police, data breach, personal injury, and professional negligence claims. To start your compensation claim, go to www.donahue-solicitors.co.uk or call 08000-124-246 today.